Hello and welcome to the Self-Narrate Podcast. My name is Brandon. And I'm Jaren. The Self-Narrate Podcast is a production of Self-Narrate, a organization that is devoted to helping people to develop and share their personal stories. This week on the Self-Narrate Podcast, we are sharing the story of Katie Heisen, who shared their story at one of our Story Summit events at Heartwood Soundstage, which is a co-production between Self-Narrate, Guts and Glory, GNV, and The Conk. So when I was first invited to tell this story here, I felt really conflicted. I love storytelling. I've used it my whole life to laugh at the things that are hardest to face. But it's been a year and a half, and I can't do that with this story. I can't use humor to soften it for you or for me, and that makes it terrifying to share. The truth is that I don't talk about H to anyone except my husband to explain why some days I'm distant or quiet, but I do believe that storytelling creates a magic space where the unspeakable becomes somehow speakable. So if you'll sit in that space with me tonight, I'd like to tell you about H. They found her body murdered and set on fire in an alley through the woods behind a Waffle House. And my brain can't reconcile that gap between the way H's body was treated and her worth So I had to wrap her memory up and cushion it lower. But before I did, I had one last thought. Thank God for that summer. Years earlier, I had been 20 and so sure that I could solve evil in the world. And I asked a pair of women in another city if I could come learn from them for the summer. They ran a nonprofit that offered a way out for women who wanted to leave the sex industry. I thought I, who was whole and unburdened, would come learn how to help people who weren't whole and unburdened, and I leave with the tools to fix everything. But a week into this internship, that plan crumbled. I was given this textbook on abuse and trauma. And it was supposed to help me understand the women better. And it was filled with these bullet-pointed definitions. And I grew nauseous with the shock that those bullet points applied directly to my own experiences. And for someone who's spent her whole life explaining and rationalizing away the things she's been through, seeing them labeled in that textbook was so scary. And my heart started to pound, and I ran up to this room in this office building, and forced to face my own burdens and holes for the first time, I broke down. And that was the week I met H. It was just three days after she got off the streets. Most women, when they came into the program, were guarded and a little suspicious, of course, but H seemed especially so to me. So polite, but hidden behind a huge wall. And I was facilitating these therapeutic exercises in the safe house, and we partnered up together, and we sat down on the busted old couch, and H wanted me to share first. And to my surprise and embarrassment, 
I started to cry. And I told her that I had so much shame about things that weren't even my fault. And then this woman chose to lower that wall for me for a moment. And she said, you have to let all that go. You have to drop that shame at the foot of the cross. It is not yours to carry. And I told her, well, (laughs) I don't know that I know how to do that. And then she said, you just have to do it. I did. And I picked my head out of my hands, and I looked up at her, startled. This woman whose burdens and holes weren't so easily hidden as mine, whose life had been pressed down under the unimaginable weight of labels like prostitute and drug addict and trafficking victim, who didn't have the luxury of explaining or negotiating away those bullet points. And she had this ferocity in her eyes, strength, that she was offering to lend to me. And I just thought, if H can drop her shame, I can drop mine. And then I just did it. It's why today I hold my head up when I walk. And summer was just beginning. Most of our days were spent in the long, hard work of recovery, therapy and job training and drug testing, but we tried to weave joy in the gaps. The windows of the safe house had to be covered with aluminum foil because there were pimps and dealers waiting outside. So having fun took some creativity, painting nails on the living room floor, prank calling people, telling them we were selling very gently used underwear at a great discount. One day we're in the program's thrift store and H goes to open a box of donations and another woman from the program, N, leapt out of the box and shouted, boo! And then N laughed so hard that she peed herself standing in the box, which only made her laugh harder. We uh, didn't have the privilege of being in a neighborhood where it was safe to walk around the block and our bodies were getting really restless. So one day I surprised the women by taking us to a Zumba class And they could not stop laughing. And they leaned over and whispered that what these upper-middle-class ladies were doing was remarkably similar to what they were paid to do in the clubs. (laughs) And we just shook our hips and laughed, and it was glorious. We hunted for these carefree moments. And it was in that spirit that one day we loaded up the van, and instead of driving to another anonymous meeting, another court hearing, We drove to the beach. H said she was nervous and excited. She had never been to the beach before. And she kept wringing her hands and jiggling her foot the whole way there until we walked up to the shoreline. And then she grew very still. And I could see her eyes like reaching for the farthest point on the horizon. And she just said this quiet, wow. And I asked her, but wait. Didn't you live near the beach for a while? And she said, right across the street. I never left the hotel room. I was always kept drugged. And I pictured this woman with her determined eyes and her childlike awe, unable to look at anything but a hotel room ceiling. The beach 100 yards away, but totally inaccessible. And I just said a quiet, oh, 
And I stared at the sand under her feet for a minute. And then I said, each? Yeah, she said. I'm really glad I get to be on the beach with you today. And then she looked over her wall and over mine and right into my eyes. And she said, me too. She wanted to collect shells, so I spent a long time hunting for like a good one, a special one. And I finally brought one back to her with its iridescent purples and blues. And she already had too many to carry. Her hands were overflowing with all those broken little white shells. And she was smiling into her cupped hands, and she said, aren't they beautiful? And I didn't have the heart to tell her, like, those are the shells nobody wants. So I just pointed to a small one with a hole in it, and I said, like, oh, you could make a necklace out of that one. And she lit up. She said, really? And we were loading the van back up, and I asked her what she thought, and she said, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And when most people say that, that's just a hyperbole. But I could tell when she said it, it was a pure truth for her. She leaned between the seats, and she was straining against her seatbelt so she could stare through the windshield at the horizon until we pulled away. At the end of summer, we held a banquet for the women, and the staff spent all day gathering roses into jars and stringing fairy lights, and all the women picked out a dressy new outfit from the thrift store. And when H arrived, we started cooing how beautiful she was. And with total sincerity, she threw her shoulders back, shook the hair from her eyes, and said, I know. (laughs) After the banquet, I went to say my goodbyes to the women, and H hugged me, and she said into my ear, You know we love you. So when I heard what had been done to her, when I read those headlines, That's what I thought. Thank God for that summer, because we told each other with words and time and gestures big and small, you are worthy. And I knew that the man who tried to turn her body into ash didn't know that truth. He couldn't comprehend her worth. And I knew that nothing he did to her could take away that summer spent saying again and again, you are worthy. And I knew more than anything that her body was fragile, but her worth was untouchable. This is what H taught me, that we are all, you and I, those broken little shells with the holes in them. But those are the ones you can thread and turn into necklaces. And aren't they beautiful? Thank you. (laughs) 